morning, everyone. We are in week three of Pathways Prime. Hopefully, as you've been going through the daily devotion written by our community for our community, that you've been impacted uh, daily by that. As you've been connecting in your growth groups and the Connexity events and, and here on Sunday, that, that hopefully that you find yourself connecting with God and connecting with community and being moved along the path to being a fully devoted follower of Christ. During this series, we introduced a new image to you that really we wanted to be a reminder, a visual reminder of who we are uh, as a body of believers uh, who are seeking out Jesus Christ. And if you remember in the middle is the arrow with the three uh, kind of uh, bottom things going in to the, the pointing arrow. And those three things represent to us what we're called to do as a church to make mature and mobilize fully devoted followers of Christ. And that arrow points to five different things which we believe a fully devoted follower of Christ looks like. And that is someone who loves God with all of their heart, all of their soul, all of their mind, all of their strength, and equally as important, loves their neighbor as their self. And then on the outer ring, uh, these are the seven things that we believe uh, God has, has uh, uniquely designed us, kind of the DNA of this local community, that each and every one of us have put their, our fingerprints on what this place looks like and what it means. And that's an acrostic, it spells I charge. And the first week we looked at intentional. Last week we looked at culturally current. This week we're going to be looking at hospitality. Next week we're going to be looking at authenticity, then relational, then grace, and then excellence. So hospitality, as we're looking at hospitality uh, this week, you know, thinking about that term, I think that we all have different ideas of what hospitality is. In fact, I'm from Los Angeles, and my idea of hospitality is different, I think, than uh, what I've experienced uh, with Southern hospitality, right? Like, people in the South don't seem to mind if you, you know, stop by and knock on your door, something which would get you killed in Los Angeles. Uh, you know, or, you know, even taking outside of our, our, our country, you know, that, that there's different ideas of hospitality uh, and, uh, and connection in groups all around the world. But when you really strip all the nuances and different manifestations of how people groups uh, kind of exhibit hospitality, you know, hospitality really comes down to one kind of thing. And I want to get to that in a second. But in your guys' mind, what are some kind of like key words, some key phrases, some key things that hospitality means to you? You can just yell them out. Openness. Welcome, you said? Welcome. Sharing. Share. Did somebody say men? No, what did you say? Huh? Oh, like manners. Jay Todd's looking for a man, if any is out there. That speaks hospitality to her. Uh, anything else? 
service? Collectiveness. Collectiveness. <laughs> Hope. Home? Home. Home. Like where you live. Yeah, home. All right, home. Can't spell, can't hear. I, I go, what the heck am I doing up here? Anything else? What was that? Kindness, Kindness absolutely. You know, during Can I Feel It, the song where they're like, quack, 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 quack. He was like over there, like totally headbanging. It was like he could feel it. I'm telling you, he felt it. Whatever it is, he had it. So uh, that was kind of cool. So, you know, you look at all of these kind of different things, and I was thinking about, about them, and openness, welcome, sharing, manner, service, collectiveness, uh, home, and, and kindness, and all these kind of things. They all require one thing. And I think that this is actually probably the best definition of hospitality, true hospitality, is sacrifice. In order to be truly hospitable, to really care about somebody, that, that you have to sacrifice and give them a gift. And that could be true of, of a smile, or that can be a gift of opening up your home, or the gift of sharing, or manners to make them feel welcome, or service, or kindness. All of these things that, that a gift a true gift requires something. It costs you something. And if it costs you something, you have to sacrifice for it. And I was thinking about that. It's like, you know, for hospitality, you've got to sacrifice different things. You have to sacrifice your, your, your privacy. You have to be open up with somebody. That you have to sacrifice your comfort. That you have to sacrifice your time. You have to sacrifice your money if you're buying, you know, paying, you know, giving somebody food or something like that, that uh, inviting someone into your home and cooking them dinner, it costs you money to do that. You have to sacrifice that. You have to sacrifice your pattern of life. Having someone in your home can be very disruptive. These can be things that, that you know you're going to sacrifice, or maybe it's things that you don't even know that you're going to sacrifice when you show hospitality. Uh, Tim Matson from last week, uh, you know, they both, uh, they came and uh, they stayed with uh, me and my family and everything. And this morning, I realized that, that uh, our our hospitality of, of them, I had to sacrifice my shaving cream and razor, which uh, one of them took with them. So, <laughs> and I didn't even realize I was sacrificing that, but I guess they needed it more than me, so I'm a little scruffy this morning. But this, this whole idea that uh, we have to sacrifice, and if you go down and you dig a little bit deeper under that, what is required to sacrifice? a certain level of maturity. That, that immature people do not have the ability to sacrifice. They don't have the ability to be hospitable, to practice hospitality. They don't, you know, you think about it in a, in a physical sense. 
that like a little baby is born. We've had several little babies born. They, they cannot practice hospitality. That they, they don't have the ability emotionally or, or uh, physically or to have the resources to, have, uh, to show hospitality. That it requires a certain level of maturity. And you can actually kind of take a look at it as, as children grow up and as their maturity level grows, that they, they become more hospitable. Like if you think about it, I think about my kids when they were really little, that, you know, when a kid would come over and, and want to hang out and it was playtime, they would, you know, they wouldn't want to share, right? That, that it was like mine, mine, mine. And like, and it would always, it would always end bad. But it's been neat as you've seen my children grow up and becoming more mature, that to see them sacrificing their, their desires and their comfort and all of these kinds of different things so that their guest feels more welcome. Well, the same is true in the spiritual sense and the larger sense of, of us as, as followers of Christ and us as, as a church, that, that our maturity level is going to dictate the amount of hospitality that we can show. That, that we have this, this idea that, that our, you know, when we're immature in Christ, that, that it's very difficult for us to, to show hospitality because it requires sacrifice. And our maturity level is not at a point where we can give that gift that costs us something. Essentially, we're, we're like babies or, or we are consumers, which is fine because the, the, the mark of a truly mature person is someone who has gone from being a consumer, immature, to someone who is mature, who is a contributor. And one of the biggest blessings and, and things in the world is for a contributor to be able to sacrifice, it's so fulfilling, for the needs of someone else. Now, in the artist's profile, Jackie, who's 12 years old, mind you, and she's serving and blessing us with her artwork already, that she was talking about Romans uh, chapter 12. And, and I want you guys to open up your Bibles to Romans chapter 12 and verse 13. And there's a few key words in here that I think will kind of illuminate this idea of hospitality. When God's people are in need, be ready to help them. Always be eager to practice hospitality. Now, I want you to circle or underline in your Bibles three words, need, practice, and hospitality. Now, what is a need? I think that a lot of times when we think about need, our, our minds very quickly go to physical needs, right? Because it's the easiest to see. We can see when someone is homeless or, or hungry or things like that, but there's actually different levels of need. If you've taken a, you know, a psychology 101 class, that we've all been introduced to Maslow's hierarchy of needs. Now, this isn't the gospel truth, but I mean, but 
it, it does show us that there are different levels. At the bottom level, there's the physical needs, right? That our body needs. That's, you know, food, water, all, you know, shelter, these kind of things. Air. Yeah. If, if we do not have one of these things, we're not really thinking about much else. You know, when I'm hungry... I'm not going to have, you know, an uh, elevated conversation about God with you. Give me a sandwich, then we'll talk, right? Uh, next one is safety. Once we have our, our physical needs met, then we start thinking about safety. When we're hungry or thirsty or something like that, we we will willingly give up our safety in order to eat or sleep or drink or whatever. But the next one is safety, security, employment, kind of things like that. The next one is love and belonging. You know, if somebody, we're talking about to someone about, about being, you know, part of a faith community, but they don't know where their next meal is going to come from or they don't feel safe that 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 the idea of community is outside of their ability to to think about the next one is esteem kind of this this idea of encouragement and how we feel about ourselves you know if if uh you know you held my head underneath some water and and about a minute you know you pulled me up and you're like how do you feel about yourself yeah i wouldn't ca- i would be like <gasps> you know i just need oxygen i'm not really thinking about how my feelings at this point that actually feeling you know thinking about your feelings is is way up on on the hierarchy of needs and then finally after all this we get to talk about higher level things like God and eternity and stuff like that. And so I think that, you know, it's important for us to kind of understand this, this dynamic that is going on when Paul is saying, look, when God's people are in need, that doesn't just mean when they're hungry or they're thirsty. That means meet their needs where they are at in this hierarchy. Is, is their greatest need safety and security? Is it, is it love? Is it esteem uh, or encouragement? Or is it something even higher than that? Do they, do they need to be encouraged and, and, and moved forward, forward in their understanding and knowledge and experience with God? He goes on to say, be ready to help them. Always be eager to practice hospitality, to practice sacrifice. Now, I was thinking about this idea. Why do you have to practice? Why don't you just do it? You know, why, why don't we just all just, you know, know this and, 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 and always do it perfectly? I think the reason practice is, is it's something that we do not naturally do. Our natural state is to be consumers. Our natural state is to just think about us, 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 and us. And it takes a certain amount of maturity of, to be able to sacrifice for somebody else. And 
the only way that we get better at it is to practice these disciplines. Smiling and making someone feel comfortable is a gift to them when you don't feel like smiling. It's not about you. It, you're sacrificing your, your right to be in a crummy mood in order to make somebody else feel better. You sacrifice you know, your space or your home or your time or something like this. That this is an indication that you are not dealing in, in things that are carnal, but you are, that you are actually tapping in to the eternal, something higher, into God-sized ideas. You know, so we think about practicing, and I was thinking about this, you know, in sports and things like that. You know, I was thinking about Little League. You ever go and watch Little League baseball games and practices? They're hilarious. They're just, you know, uh, kids are sitting there and, you know, they're throwing, and, and the idea is once they throw, the other person is catching, but, you know, it either goes too short, it goes too far, it goes to the left, to the right. You know, they're meant to practice batting. Uh, but, you know, in Little League, when their kids are especially little, you know, they don't pitch to them. They put it on a tee. Because, you know, practice swimming, you know, swinging through the air isn't going to do you much good. It's, you know, flailing. That, that they want to teach the kids to practice to pull right through the ball and be able to hit it in the field. You know, and these basic things that, that they practice doing, throwing, catching, batting, all of these different things. You know what they do in high school baseball practice? Batting, throwing, catching. If you go to an FSU baseball uh, practice and Mike Martin doesn't get all mad at you or something like that, you know, think you're a scout what will you see them doing? Yeah, and chewing tobacco. <laughs> and then if you go and you go and watch God's favorite team, the Dodgers, you know, and you, you uh, have the ability to... Uh, I almost excommunicated someone for wearing a Yankees hat the other week. Uh, that... Uh, just kidding. Jeez. God... Loves Yankee fans too. <laughs> Every now and then. If you go to one of their practices, what are they practicing? Batting, throwing, and catching. This idea that this is a lifelong discipline, and if we do not use it and refine it, that, that we're, we're never going to be good at it or proficient or uh, at it or be able to live out God's idea of what hospitality sacrificing for others actually looks like. Now, I think in one regard, we look at this and inward and we're all like, okay, cool, Mark, I'm with you. When God's people are in need, I will do this. I will sacrifice. I'm okay with that. Just not, not, not them, you know, and well, the writer of Hebrews writes this, keep on loving each other as brothers and sisters, reminding us, us who are followers of Christ here today, 
We are to keep on loving one another. But in addition to that, don't forget to show hospitality to strangers. For some who have done this have entertained angels without even realizing it. You know, this this idea of sacrificing for someone you don't even know. Sacrificing for someone who, who maybe you will never even meet. I don't know if you noticed that parking was a little bit easier uh, uh, today as you came in here or there's some extra seats that, that are here. You know why? Because people sacrificed coming to the 11 and came to the 930 this morning so that you would have a parking spot and that there would be available seats. This is, this is this idea of, of sacrificing and giving a gift to some, for somebody that you may not even know. That each and every one of us who are followers of Christ are the recipient of somebody else's sacrifice. Maybe someone who never even knew us, but they wanted us so badly to be able to be introduced into a relationship with Jesus Christ that they were willing to sacrifice their time or their money and things like that. But this is true about E3, that, that, that E3, for a large part, a large amount of money was given by people on the West Coast who were never going to go here, never be part of this community, to start this church. One couple in particular, actually decided not to purchase a home and take the money that they were going to put away to buy a home and give it to start this church. I mean, that level of sacrifice shows an enormous amount of maturity. Sacrificing for someone who you do not know, probably will never meet, to meet their needs. So the writer of Hebrews says, don't forget to show hospitality to strangers. For some who have done this have entertained angels without realizing this. And that kind of led me to a story that, that Jesus was talking about in Matthew chapter 25, verse 31. Jesus said, but when the Son of Man comes in his glory and the, all the angels with him Then he will sit upon his glorious throne. All the nations will be gathered in his presence. And he will separate the people as a shepherd separates the sheep from the goats. He will place the sheep at his right hand and the goats to his left. Now, I didn't see a lot of sheep and goats growing up living in Los Angeles. So... That passage, you know, didn't mean a whole lot to me until the past seven years living here. I've gone to your houses, a lot of you, and you have goats, like as pets. It's just cool, man. I mean, if that's what you want to do. And other people have, have sheep. And you know what? Without any training, seriously, I've never taken a class on distinguishing the difference between a goat and a sheep. I'm going to brag a little bit on myself here. I could tell the difference. Yep. I could say that's a goat. That's a sheep. Got it. Got it. Sorry. I'm sorry. That's from my father's side of the family, and I cannot control it. 
So I blame him entirely. You know, so, so there's, there's, you know, yeah, they do kind of the same thing, right? They got four legs, they eat grass, they walk around, they do whatever. And, but there's also, you know, you can look at them. One's got horns, the other one doesn't. One's like fuzzy, kind of curly, you know, things like that. that. That it's not rocket science to figure out what is a goat and what is a sheep. So we're not talking about nuanced kind of difference here. There's just things that sheep do, and there's things that goats do, and it's pretty easy to tell the difference between the two. And this is basically where, what Jesus is getting at is like, hey, you know what? There are things that a follower of Christ does that makes them easily distinguishable uh, from, from others who are not followers of me. And one of those things is hospitality, is sacrificing for the good of others. He continued on and he says, look, come you who are blessed by my Father, inherit the kingdom prepared for you from the creation of the world. For I was hungry and you fed me. Remember Maslow's hierarchy of needs. I was thirsty and you gave me a drink. I was a stranger and you invited me into your home, giving safety and love. I was naked and you gave me clothing. I was sick and you cared for me. I was in prison and you visited me. These, then these righteous ones will reply, Lord, when did we ever see you hungry and feed you? Or thirsty and give you something to drink? Or a stranger and show you hospitality? Or naked and give you clothing? When did we ever see you sick or in prison and visit you? And the king will say this. I tell you the truth. When you did it to one of the least of these, my brothers and sisters, you were doing it to me. That kind of ratchets up this kind of idea of hospitality a little bit. That when we offer a smile or a genuine hello to the downhearted, when we offer water to the thirsty or food to the hungry or safety to those who feel exposed or love to the unlovable or encouragement to those who cannot see past the next day or introduce them into higher thoughts about eternity. That, that we are not doing that for that person, but we are motivated about by something much higher. And that is Jesus and his sacrifice, his hospitality to us. I want to share something with you, and if you don't get anything else today, I want you to get this. Jesus' death on the cross was the ultimate act of hospitality. Jesus' death on the cross was the ultimate act of hospitality. It was the ultimate act of sacrifice for us in order to open up the pathway that we could have a relationship with our Father in Heaven for eternity. How was it? 
an act of hospitality? How was it a sacrifice? Well, think about, about Jesus, who Jesus is. He was part of the Holy Trinity. For eternity previous, he had perfect fellowship, perfect relationship with the Father and the Spirit. There was no separation. And he chose to leave this perfect fellowship in order to walk the planet with us, to live our life and to walk and then to eventually die on the cross. In Matthew chapter 20, verse 28, Jesus says, For even the Son of Man came not to be served, but to serve others and to give his life as a ransom for many. That he came as an act of service to be a ransom for many. To die on the cross as an act of ultimate hospitality. He goes on before his death, before this happened, to explain to the disciples and to explain to us why this had to happen and why this was an act of hospitality. In John 14, in verse 1, he says, Look, don't let your hearts be troubled. Trust in God and also trust in me. There is more than enough room in my Father's home. If this was not so, I would have told you that I am going to prepare a place for you. When everything is ready, I will come and get you so that you will always be with me where I am. And you know the way to where I am going. This idea that the only way that we were going to have a reunited relationship with our Father in heaven the only way that we were going to be able to live out the original life that God has envisioned for us to be fully human, which means to have an unbuffered connection with the creator of, un- of the universe like Adam and Eve had, that there had to be sacrifice. And that sacrifice, as we talked about, could only come from someone who was mature and perfect, in this case, enough to sacrifice for us to make a way. And he's here telling the disciples, look, this is where we're going on this. This is why it is happening. That that I am going to sacrifice my life as a ransom for many because that is why I am here in order to give you an invitation that you would have the opportunity to spend eternity in the presence of your creator and I'm going to prepare a place for you a place where there's room if you choose to come a place where there will be fellowship and and praising and singing And when everything's ready, I'm going to come back to you. And this idea of the cross being the the ultimate act of hospitality, the ultimate invitation to prepare us for a reconnection that we know that, you know what? This invitation is just that. It's not a decree. It's, it's, It's not a mandate. 
that we're told in Revelation that Jesus stands at the door and knocks and says, if we open the door, he'll come in and be in fellowship with us. Does not say that, you know what, like a bad episode of Cops, that Jesus is going to come and kick in the door and grab you and your, you know, your boxers and your wife beater and drag you, you know, you know, out and drag you into the heaven. That, that's not hospitality. Says, hey, no. You know what? I'm going to sacrifice all this, and I know it's not a guarantee that you're going to choose to come. But I want to let you know that there's room for you. I have a place in my heart in my life in our kingdom and I'm going to prepare a special place for you and I hope you come if you don't that's your 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 choice but I'm going to reserve this space and when it's all prepared I am going to come and bring you As we move forward in this idea of, of hospitality, that we offer a smile, we offer fellowship, we open up our homes, we offer coffee, we take care of each other's children, that we, that we make room for one another, that we give of our time and our resources that we do all of these things because ultimately that's what God did for us. And if we are truly followers of Jesus, followers of his way, followers of what it means to be a fully devoted follower of Christ, that it is incumbent upon us to not just do because we feel we have to do but be because we are new creations in Christ Jesus. Will you guys pray with me? <laughs> Dear Lord God I just pray if anybody's here today who is seeking you out that they will know that Jesus is the ultimate host and is already sacrificed in the ultimate act of hospitality in order that we that we can be part of his family that you say that you've gone and prepared a place for us God, if anyone is there who wants to claim their invitation, respond, RSVP with a positive, I'm there, Jesus. Just in their heart and their minds just right now, they'll just say, Jesus, I accept. I accept what it means to be a follower of you, that I, I want to grow, that I want to have elevated conversations. I want to know what it means to be part of your family. God, I just pray for those of us who have accepted that invitation and we have not grown. We are still consumers and we are not sacrificing for anyone. God, I just pray that you will
pour your grace and blessings into our lives, that during this time you'll stretch and mold us and move us from immaturity to maturity, to move us from being consumers to contributors. We love you, Lord. In Jesus' name, amen.